How's it going? There you are. Christopher Struck. At last we connect. Hey, Jay, how's it going? Pretty good. If I'm on the line, you know the drill. You're on the air. Sounds great. As, uh, get into it. As, as, if, uh, as if our listeners uh, aren't, aren't aware already, your book is doing great. Uh, it's all over the place, and that's probably why I couldn't get a hold of you until now. Tell us about the book. Tell us what's going on with, uh, with, your, with your new book. Now that it's published, now that it's out, what's going on? Uh, so just working on setting up events, um, getting the word out there some more. Uh, the word's been pretty good generally, and um, I was – I think the top best, uh, the top seller for my publisher last month. So that's excellent. I mean, it's the, the release month, but um, at the same time, I think there's a lot more potential for growth. And I think that the uh, attraction's been there. Um, and also oh, it's extended beyond me as well too now. So it's, it's exciting to see kind of like some of the little things like it appear in bookstores and stuff like that. Oh, um, that's great. Come on the radar. So Hopefully it appears in more bookstores. Hopefully it starts appearing in New York bookstores because uh, it's a huge market and um, it's where most of the people who know of me like live. So it'd be nice to see that start to happen. But um, but yeah, I mean it's a start and it's uh, it's it's good. And like um, I said before, I got two more books under contract with the same publisher. So I think as long as there's um, you know, as long as there are some sales and it continues to grow and, and uh, be persistent, that there's going to be, um, you know, good news in the future when it comes to more releases. Well, some sales is, is, a, is an understatement. If you're number one amongst that publisher and you're in bookstores, you're on Amazon, as far as I know, also with it? Yeah, I'm on Amazon. Um, I don't know how Amazon's doing in terms of, like, uh, the, rel- the relationship. So I think... You know, Amazon's been a major player for the last uh, decade and a little bit um, in the book market, but there's kind of been a little bit of a, like, rebellion against it when it comes to, like, other corporate interests, you know. Uh-huh. Barnes and Noble's made a pretty strong play. So um, most of my sales when I first um, was selling this book, uh, when I was self-published before I got picked up by a publisher, those were through Amazon, so I could pretty easily track how, like, things went. Um but now that it's through a publisher and goes through distributors and goes to like individual and independent bookstores and um, like other like more corporate chains like Kinokuya and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's that's the bookstore I know that I'm in, uh, Kinokuya. Uh-huh. Um, Where but, is that bookstore? Uh, what's up? Where is the bookstore? Where is it? Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's national. I think it's actually based in Japan, but um, the bookstores that I'm in are in, Tennessee, and there's also a New York location, we, and uh, um, I know the book was ordered through there, so... Well, uh, this is news but, to me. You're national and international with this book. That is absolutely well, marvelous. Well, it'd be nice if it was actually in, in Japan, but um, <laughs> especially since one of my books is set in Japan, so that would be like a really good synergy. It's like, oh, the Japanese people liked Chris's first book, and guess what? He's got another one that's kind of catering to them. Well... I mean, that'd be really cool. Uh, I think that's important to, like, always make sure that you have, like, a target market or, um, like, at least are aware of, like, who could who would buy your book and who's interested in you as an author. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I can't say that it's being sold in Japan. I have no idea. I just know that a Japanese bookstore in the United States took, picked it up for sale. So mm-hmm. hopefully um, it continues, like I said, continues to build because, like, that's the kind of, like, good news that's exciting. And then... Um, also, like I said, 
something like that when it has like a pretty obvious synergy it's like you know japanese readers maybe will pick up um might be looking at this book but then might be more interested in the next book because it's set in japan or something like that right yeah. well, well you're a smart man not only not only are you a very talented writer but you you understand the marketing of it uh, a lot of artists have this amazing product but they don't know what to do with it once it's done you you obviously have a handle on things which is excellent well, I, mean, uh, I think that that's kind of a learning experience, right? You know, like, um, especially before getting picked up by a publisher, um, kind of seeing what didn't and did work and, like, also, you know, the, the online aspect being, like, such a prevalent um, factor and, like, also, like, pretty, you know, mind-numbing at times in terms of, like, how much you can do and how little might um, come out of it. Oh, sure. But, like, all, doing all those little things helps because you kind of learn, you know, Something like that's not going to get as much interest, but like if you're going, if one of your posts gets zero likes, but then one of your posts gets a hundred, then you're like, well, you really start emphasizing the stuff that gets hundreds. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Uh, Facebook is like the subliminal marketing course for everyone these days. Yeah. Uh, so tell our readers what the book's about. Give us, give us uh, the, the elevator story of the book and its name for uh, that I'm, matter. Yeah. Kenny and Gold. Um, Kenig and Gold, uh, yes. Go on. Kenig and Gold, yeah. So the um, the biggest factor is the the characters, and that's what the book's named after. It's Daniel Kenig and Cynthia Gold. And, um, (laughs) sorry. One second. I saw something funny. I guess that's the miracle of uh, the on-air aspect. All right, so Daniel Kenig is a singer in New York. He wants to be the greatest that's ever lived. And then one night he meets, or one day at a cafe, he meets uh, Cynthia Gold. And that kind of, that dream is set aside. He puts it on hold, gambles his, his future on making uh, the relationship with Cynthia Gold work. So um, that's pretty much the, the beginning of the story and like uh, kind of what the driving factor of, of his character is. Cynthia Gold is a little bit more complicated because um, she is trying to change her situation and she kind of wants a little bit more freedom in her life. Especially uh-huh. since her, her life's been pretty much controlled for by um, the money of her family and also her uh, mother in particular because her mother controls that money. Mm-hmm. And so in Daniel, she sees like her own choice, her own freedom. And, he, and she really admires kind of the way that he's like, the way he acts in in his day to day life, and she wants to be kind of that that free as well. And especially since this is said in 1948, when you know there aren't a lot of advantages for women in terms of decision making and, and power and like um, empowerment. So those are the type of things that she deals with, and so she has to make a lot more like I don't know strategic choices in terms of like how she lives her life to make sure that she can kind of you know solve the problems that she deals with, and so that makes makes her character a little bit more nuanced in terms of like why she decides to do one thing or another thing. Um, whereas Daniel's a little bit more like, you know, I want something, I'm going to go get it type of thing. Very interesting. So, so we have a whole bunch of combinations here. Like, like I said, you, you understand so many facets of things and it's the same thing here. You, this is set in the jazz age then. This is, this is the forties into the fifties. So, so uh, we have, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, so it's 1948, so like around the time the Guys and Dolls is coming out. Oh, brilliant. 
So, so you have that Damon Runyon feel. You have that, that jazz age feel. We have a little Romeo and Juliet in here with, uh, uh, with the poor singer and, and, and the wealthy society dame. Uh, and, and we even have a little F. Scott Fitzgerald here. I, I get a sense of the great Gatsby, uh, uh, permeating your book as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people compare it to that, and I think the the biggest factor in that is that there's um, an aspect of of wealth and also pining for it. You know, like a lot of the of Gatsby is focused specifically on Gatsby because he has a lot of money, but then a lot of the other characters, um, in comparison, um, are usually drawn as like not having as much or wanting more of what Gatsby has, and um, in this case, Daniel is very much like the Nick character where he's like. I want to be the American that has a lot of money, but I see that I, that it's hard to do that. And it's hard to kind of just, you know, jump from poor to rich. Whereas um, Cynthia has money. She is rich. She's already there. And she's kind of the Gatsby figure in the story a little bit more. But Mm. as the story advances, uh, Daniel becomes more and more of that flamboyant type of character who grabs attention and, exudes the wealth that he wants and, and possesses, and that kind of drives a little bit of the relationship factor between Daniel and Cynthia in terms of, who, like, relationship power or uh, types of actions they're going to be doing or uh, where one's going to go and which one's going to follow. And, and I think that that kind of complicates the relationship a little bit as well as kind of drives the, the ending of the story. It's it's interesting how you manage to to create two characters that are uh, quite exemplifying of the time. Uh, Cole Porter wrote so many uh, uh, characters like your gold character, uh, uh, the the wealthy dame with uh, with with a strong with a strong backbone, if you will. So we're seeing we're seeing the modern woman emerging from the 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 classic stereotype, and we're also seeing that with uh, with Kenig. Um, here's here's this guy who could have everything. He's 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 looking to be a singer in New York. He's he's at the the crossroads of everything, and what does he choose? Love. So so you're 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 showing us the sensitive guy and and the powerful woman. Uh really clever. Really really clever. This also sounds very I mean, I cinematic. Worked, I worked really hard on it. Um a lot of people have also mentioned the cinema um aspect so I did I did sign a film deal. Uh, that was a really good segue on your part. I don't know if I told you about the. No, you did not. Oh, I was, I was just, I was just thinking out loud. Oh my gosh, you signed a film deal with this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, ah! it's not a, it's not a, it's not a landed a studio yet. It's, it's a deal to get a studio. Um, so we'll see what happens with it. But uh, there's a group that's interested in. Uh, putting together pitch books and uh, getting together a trailer and pitching it to studio to studio to see kind of where it goes and, and how big it can be. Oh uh, my that gosh! A couple, weeks ago, so. a couple weeks ago. Oh, thanks for telling me, yeah. pal. Wow. I'm sorry. I, it <laughs> oh, it slipped your mind, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know whether he's calm on drugs or whatever. If someone told me, hey, Jay, you're going to sign a film deal, well, it's speculative, but you're going to sign a film deal, I would be dancing up and down the streets. And you're going, oh, sorry, well, flipped my mind, babe. It's, it's, a lot of, it's still a lot of work, and it's not like it, it's, uh, it's done. I mean, it's kind of like the, it's stage one, you know, it's step one. It's, um, it's definitely uh, really exciting. You get a lot of interest in the book, but at the same time, like, 
I still have to do the day job until it starts selling a lot more copies, and I still have to uh, do the hard work and post on the internet and um, plan out things and strategically allocate time until it starts to make inroads. And then also, you never know if it's going to get picked up by a studio or not. So, like, I mean, Wild Land was being sold for, like, 11 or 12 years before it made it to a, a production studio that was going to actually put it on. And so right now I've got... And I hear it did pretty uh, well in the end, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, well, that's the kind of comparison. I mean, that's a lot of people say it looks like that, or there's a couple of uh, 1980s films that um, were also really similar. I can't remember the name, so I can look them up again. But, you know, like, there's, there's a, a pattern of success with stories like this, especially with, like, young singers and things like that. Um, even the Moulin Rouge, which came out, is, has got kind of a similar um, storyline or vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. Very different, like, actual uh, events inside the story, but at the same time, there's there's clear success with this whole artist-wealth uh, dichotomy when, when it comes to fiction and literature. And so I, I think that, you know, it's just a matter of time. It's it's waiting, it's patience, and it's, it's hard work. And at the same time, I, I don't think um, I, I I think if I relax or rest or or whatever, it's, it, it it might not be where it needs to be at the end of the day. And so I oh, think there's a little bit just like there's no, there's no such thing as relaxing. That's that's for sure. But you have taken a major yeah. step here. So so uh, the uh, encapsulate you 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 wrote this amazing book. Uh, it, it was online for a while. It got great, uh, it got great notice. It was picked up by a publisher. So now you're in bookstores. Now you're, now you're all over the place with that. And now you have signed the, the first step, the speculative deal for a film version of this. This is utterly incredible. Uh, if, if I think marketing, you're talking a really excellent time because now is when you see a lot of crossovers, uh, where you see a lot of pop singers in, in films, even in film versions of, of stage place i would say cats but i think everyone's going to get really upset uh but i i i could see the marketability of your piece so this is phenomenal man have you started the other books you said you had a contract for two more books have you have you started the others so those ones are the ones uh we talked about last call which were done um <laughs> i'm really excited yeah no i I, I i hit the ground running i didn't i didn't like let up at all so uh after writing kenny and gold um there was, I mean, there were good sales. It's, I, it would have, if it was a nonfiction book, it would have gotten picked up by Penguin or something like that. It wasn't mm-hmm. nonfiction, it was fiction. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of different, uh, right. barometer for, for sales there. So, um, so I, coming off of writing that, I wrote my next book in the summer of 2017 and then I, wrote the follow-up to that in summer of 2018. So I guess, you know, the logical thing would be that I'd write another book in the summer of 2019. I had not started another book yet. I've got one in my mind, but, um, but that's like a, that's another, another battle for the recent or the hopefully soon, uh, future, recent future. Right. I don't know. Coming, the coming days. I'm, I mean, I'm hoping to start it soon, but it's, it's uh, one of those things where it's like, do you really have the idea down? Do you have enough research? Do you, do you have characters you're going to love in the end? Mm-hmm. So there's there's some, some time to wait for that. But the other ones, I mean, they're done. I think they're good. My my publisher thought they were good enough to sign contracts to sell them. So hopefully, hopefully that kind of takes shape in the next few months. This is absolutely phenomenal. 
Um, yeah, you, you could take your time with the fourth book. Get to, get the film version of this one and, and, and the other two on the market. Wow, we now now your uh, your alter ego is a reviewer. Also, we uh, we see your names in places like cabaret scenes and things like that as a reviewer. Yep, yeah, it's uh, it's fun, and also really helps with uh, I think legitimizing Kenny and Gold in terms of like the background research, especially. Mm-hmm. Since, you know, I've been, I've been watching singers perform in New York now for about two and a half years, and um, I think I just eclipsed like two hundred fifty shows this past month, so this month. So that was that was a busy time period, but uh, it was a really good learning experience, and I think that uh, definitely, I would definitely not call myself tone deaf anymore. Oh, there you go. Good, but I'm like, uh, I think at this point, I, I can tell if somebody's like, you know, in the right key or something. I'm sure. Like something, I was, I was in a very different place when I started out. I didn't know who people like Jerome Robbins or even Stephen, Stephen Sondheim were, or any of that stuff. Uh, I just actually kind of a funny story is I saw Adam Pascal this week, uh, mm-hmm. a couple nights ago, actually. And he, he was in Ren as Roger, the first Roger, mm-hmm. um, obviously big name, uh, just kind of, you know, giving context forever. And been watching this and it's kind of like me three nights, three days ago when I didn't know who Adam Pascal was. Uh, but once I, you know, heard his story he kind of came into uh theater very similar to how i came into theater uh he he was a rocker for a really long time and that's how he got the role as a rocker in a show you know i mean right surprise but sure uh, but me you know i loved rock i loved music but um a different type of music than musical theater music because seen a couple of musicals didn't really know kind of what I thought about it, knew that my family was really interested in it. My aunt, my grandma always go to musicals and things like that. And I can't stop bragging about things like the Jersey Boys. Ah. Uh, but I, I never really understood it, but um, had the opportunity to start reviewing uh, plays and musicals uh, a couple of years, uh, like two and a half years ago now. And uh, really fell in love with, with the, with uh, the different aspects of the play and like how, uh, you can write a story that kind of tells something um, political or relevant or not political and not relevant and also uh, like really impacts the people on stage in their lives and kind of how they approach not only their lives, but um, how they develop as a person. So you can kind of see where it goes from there. And so then that led to reviewing for cabaret scenes where I basically just, I started out a duplex reviewed, you know, 20 to 30 shows in a month a couple times. Uh, and then was able to pretty much transition from that into reviewing at 54 Below, Birdland, and uh, Green Room 42 pretty consistently. Those are probably the top three I go to. Mm-hmm. And as uh, the shows have gotten better at Green Room 42, I, I've been there even more. So it's, it's Green Room 42. That's where I saw Adam Pascal. And then um, I'm at 54 Below probably – you know, on average, I would say like two or three times a month, and then uh, the other ones, Birdland. I that kind of varies. You know, sometimes I'm there like four, like once a week, and sometimes I'm there like, uh, you know, once in the month or something like that. But I was, right. those are probably the three main ones I go to, and they always have good stuff on the schedule. It's just a matter of like, you know, it being something that a day that I have free, and also uh, something I'm interested in seeing. I, I know you're a power player at the duplex. I remember when I first met you, um, uh, there was a show, I, I had a show at uh, at the duplex and you came to review it. 
And I had yeah. no idea who you were. And I remember speaking to, to Thomas Honick over at the duplex. I said, what does he look like? What is, what, what is, what does Chris Strzok look like? Uh, and just so I can, I can greet you at the door. And, and, and Thomas had about 80 million things going on. So, so me yammering in his ear was the least he needed. And I just yeah. remember he stepped in front of me at one point, went right over to you and said, Mr. Strzok, your table is ready. Would you like a drink? <laughs> and just the tone in his voice, I was like, Oh, this guy's a power player here. Okay. So yeah, um, you're you're making an impact in the cabaret world too. Well, I mean, thanks for that. I think um the duplex is a really good launching point for a lot of people and I've seen a lot of people there that have gone out to do some pretty cool things. Yeah. And so I think you know, the fact that the duplex hasn't had a, a like a steady reviewer there for years. A lot of the shows that I've seen, um and I think that's a I mean in terms of power player, I think it's just that I've, I've had a pretty good relationship, especially with the duplex. They've been really great to me, and uh, I try to be really great to them as well. Um, and I think that that's, that's really where it is. It's just it's a relationship thing. They're, they're really great people, and they put on a lot of really great shows. And so uh, in the last, I don't know, I think more recently I've gone there less because it's not as convenient as it used to be. That's mostly just because my work has gotten a little bit busier. Sure. Uh, sure. So, like I said, show the day job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you do see a lot of really great stuff there. And I've gotten the pleasure of seeing a lot of really great stuff there. And those people have gone on to perform at 54 below and, uh, a, a couple of people at Birdland Jazz Club. Um, actually just a lot of people at 54 below. And I think that's kind of like what's exciting about it is that I think the fact that they've gotten somebody who's looking at their work and, and written something appreciative of it and been able to kind of use that and leverage that for their own, um, you know, public, like publicity material. And, oh, of course. And say like, oh, you know, this is what somebody said about me. These are the aspects of my show that I can bring to the table and then, you know, pitch that to uh, 54 Below and, and see kind of like where it goes from there. And I, and I don't actually know like how much they, use my material or not use my material but at the same time like i know that uh i know that a lot of people i've seen there have gone on to do some pretty cool things and i've seen a lot of, of them in shows at other places too and i think that that's what's really cool it's like it's it's a really underrated venue and um some of the shows that i've seen there i don't know if i've already mentioned this in this, in this call but uh it would be the first time in eight or nine years that somebody's seen it you know like nobody's reviewed it and it's, mm. perform- it's been performed annually since like 2000, whatever. And it's like, wow, that's really cool. You've been doing this for what? How long? 12 years? Oh shit. That's like interest. I mean, that's what's interesting about this. That like a lot of people, um, didn't really get a lot of attention. And I think that that's, you know, that's kind of been my role is to kind of give them a little bit of attention. And I, you know, I think it works out for everybody. Uh, hopefully it, it helps them out. Um, that's, that's just the goal. I think people are very afraid of reviewers because there was a long stretch where where there was savage reviews done. It seemed to be almost the the norm to be extra nasty to someone or extra name droppy just to 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 ingratiate yourself and not the reviewer. So you're you're one of the good ones from the good old days. It's funny that you're right about the forties because you're from the good old days where you come to endorse to to critique and and just to to help to support different performers. I don't, I don't think people realize the, the, the profitability, the, the value of, of someone like you who comes down and, and 
uh, and shares and shares information on them. So I, I think it's great that you do it. I've always been a fan of like get get the word out, make sure people know you're you're there. Uh, uh, take those comments and take them further. So I'm so glad you think along the same lines. Well, I mean, I think it's been in the biggest part of the the whole thing is like, you know, if I say something super nasty, like, well, it doesn't give me anything. It doesn't get any, them anything either. It's just it's exactly saying something nasty to someone. And I think that, you know, especially with like the, the fact that the internet does that enough these days. Oh, yeah. Every other day you hear something about some person. I mean, I remember when I spent any time in my comment, like a comment section on like Yahoo or uh, like the forums um, for different like card games or cars or, you know, even things like as in, you know, innocuous as men's socks or something. Yep. Um, you get people who are like vicious and like, I remember reading this lady who are re- reading this lady's comment and like totally unexpected. And I, you know, it might've even been like a fake picture. You never know who, what is, but like you would look at the person in the picture and, and think like, that seems like someone in real life that I would, I would think was really reasonable and had like every reason to, you know, be supportive of like pretty much anybody. And mm-hmm. she was saying, kill all the Democrats. Why don't we like, they're so stupid. Kill all the Democrats. I'm like, Oh, in the, in the comments, this was back in like 2009. So like, we're like really, really back there, but I'm like, cause like now I think attention's a little bit, it's a little bit more paid to those types of things, but yep. But people do say some pretty nasty things, and I think they think that it's, they're kind of protected. And then you, like, more these days, you hear the stories of, you know, some principal at a school, he said something negative online, and now he's fired or something like that. So I think I think these days people pay a lot more attention to things like that. But, um, like, I, I think that's kind of the, the era that I grew up in. It's like seeing people like say stuff like that and be like, uh, I, I don't want to be one of those people. I mean, I, I don't want to be one of those people. I don't want to like look back and like look at a post I posted or something and be like, well, that's embarrassing now. It was, it would have been embarrassing then to say something weird too. So, um, I mean, I hope that I don't think that that type of like, patience with social media that someone like me has kind of been a little more um, like a, a stronger advocate of has means that I get like the biggest following or anything like that. But I think that at the same time, I think it's important. And I, and I hope that it kind of, I think things are coming around my way at this point. So I'm hoping that that means that, you know, people will look at my pages and be like, well, he's not a nasty person. Like he says nice things to people. So, oh, for sure. Um, for sure. Well, that's, that's quite obvious. That's quite obvious. I remember how uh, you you would, you were at the public theater with me when we saw Wee McDonald, and and yeah. you were so gracious to her and so nice. And I remember standing aside thinking, "This guy's a reviewer and he's being so friendly." Wait a minute, what am I missing here? Uh, it it, uh, it it's a pleasure when I see supportive, interested people uh, uh, going to see these these shows because I, I think you're right. I think we've we've reached that point where we've had enough of nasty. Where, where on all levels, people are, are starting with nasty and seeing where they go. So I think we're finally having enough of that. So hopefully the pendulum will swing in the other direction and, and things will yeah, become supportive again. 
I mean, I hope so. Maybe it's always going to be my niche, but I hope that I'm also like a first mover in the like being nice movement. But at the same time, who knows? You never know where it goes with that stuff. I mean, in the end, um, primarily I'm a novelist, and the best thing about being a novelist is that I, like the more successful I get, the less I need to talk to people. So, um, like, that's that's kind of where I want to go with that. You know, like I lo- I love reviewing, and I my goal when I started was to do like 500 reviews. So I'm about halfway there. There you go. Uh, which is surprising because it's going a lot faster than I expected. <laughs> um, but uh, at the same time, my my goal is to get to the point where I can just sit there and be like, this is a book I wrote and hopefully people read it. And you know, like a good example is Stephen King. You know, uh, he's still chasing a lot of his early career success in, in some ways. But at the same time, last year, two of his books were rated the top books on Goodreads. Uh, he published uh-huh. two books and they both were like widely her- heralded for being just really, really good, well-written books. So, well, uh, you are definitely, definitely, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, you, you first. I was just going to say you are definitely on the road to that. Uh, uh, it, it, cool. it, in one year it hit the publisher and now before, before it's even cold on the shelves, you're talking film. So, so I definitely see, uh, I definitely see how, how your future trajectory is going to move very quickly with this. I mean, you got to do that type of stuff. So at the same time, like, um, I mean, if, if it doesn't get picked up for film, I think people think, uh, it's maybe not as good a story. Like they're even putting the glass house and, uh, movie version. I thought, you know, it was an all right book, but at the same time, like, the, I think the movie kind of exposes a lot of the things in the book that are a little like fantastical. And as much as you want to call it a real memoir or a fake memoir or whatever it is that people like that you could say or couldn't say, it's, it's like, you know, I think a lot of the imagination there with the story helps, like, as a reader, um, helps create, uh, kind of some believability to it where it's been like uh, actually seeing someone do something that they say in the book like there's a part where they're saying that you know she doesn't have pants that don't have holes so she draws like a marker on her skin to hide the fact that there are holes in her pants (laughs) and I just don't know how they're going to do that in film because one I don't think that part of the book is incredibly realistic and I've been assured that it is in fact something people do but at the same time, like I've never seen it and, or maybe never noticed it. And so like now, like if you put that in the movie, you know, I guess we'll see if it actually looks realistic. I have never seen that for pants, but I've seen that for socks. I have seen it in reality and I've seen it on film and and even in, in writing where they talk about if a man has a hole in his sock and he doesn't have the time to fix it, or he doesn't have another pair of socks or whatever you, you mark in where your skin is. So it, it, it covers it. I've never seen it with pants. So that's going to be a fascinating image. I mean, I guess people do do it. I've been assured, like I said, that people do it. So, um, anyway, uh, you got more time for me? It's it's been about a half an hour, but we well, then it it, it sounds like you have to, it sounds like you have to go also. Um, so so we might as well wrap up here and just say congratulations. Thank you so much. You still need two hundred and fifty reviews. Okay, I think I'm going to help you with that. So don't worry about that. Hey, yeah, if you got if you got shows, I, I've seen a lot of good ones that you put on or help put on or been associated with. So I uh, I got one at the Broadway Comedy Club. I got one at uh, at 54 Below, I got 
I got plenty for you to look at. Uh, but the more yeah. important thing is, I'm gonna. I just want to find out more and more about your book. I'm. Uh, I'm gonna grab you in the next couple of days and find out about that movie deal. And let's just tell the world how brilliant this book is. How brilliant you are. And 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 just like Stephen King, you're gonna. You, you're just going to be the name that people remember in terms of literary work. Well, it's been a lot of hard work so far, so hopefully it pays off, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Terrific. Time. And, uh, Terrific. Uh, let me know what you mean. I'll be there. You betcha. You betcha. And you're so calm. Oh, my God. Maybe that's part of the success. Maybe I have to learn that. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a balance. You know, I think, um, I think it's looking at things with a little bit of, uh, you, know, you could say, cynicism, but it's also... I don't, I don't, I think I'm optimistic. You know, that's why I sign these deals. That's why I, I go to these shows. I'm, I expect like good things and I, but I also like, you know, aware that like, you know, I've written a lot of books at this point and I finally got a publishing deal, but, um, it was a lot of hard work. I had to go to conferences. I had to do a lot of legwork. I met a lot of editors. I met a lot of agents. I met a lot of publishers. And like the overarching thing is that a lot of the work has come down to me. A lot of the little things come down to me. I've had to, you know, be a part of every copy edit. I've had to be a part of every substandard edit. Um, you know, I've had to do the research on, from writer's references to Chicago MLA to different types of like, uh, you know, quotation styles or, uh, like how do you use apostrophes to how do you use, you know, dialogue quotations. And just, it's just been, it's a, it's a lot of work and it's, you know, it's a lot of it, is it's something that pays off in the long run. I think it's not necessarily appreciated. And I think that a lot of people don't necessarily look at that. And, and also I think that that's kind of the, the part about being calm is I think that you, it's like, yeah, I signed this, this deal, but that doesn't mean, you know, things are over. That means things are just started. And that means there's going to be a lot of work. And then, you know, once, once we finally have like, you know, feed on like footprints on the Hollywood Hollywood Walk of Fame or something like that, then maybe we'll relax. But even then, like, you know, even then, you got to keep yourself there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you, you have to keep doing the things that stick out today. You got to be a a good person. You got to keep writing books. You have to keep, you know, being supportive of other people and their development, and then you know, just just keep doing it. Keep doing it. All the work. And that's what you're doing. Anyway. Chris, thank you very much. Really appreciate chatting with you. I will I will let our readers know exactly readers. They're gonna be your readers, they're my listeners, exactly where uh where they can get your book. And and here's to the future. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. I will Have talk to you soon. Ciao.